Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betty Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warmer, friendly hello. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Ben Wilson of the Vegas Edson Information Network, a.k.a. VSIN. He's going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be talking about just everything that we're expecting for today in Major League Baseball. He's been gauging this Braves versus Dodgers series. And we wound up doing this during the ninth inning of the Houston Astros versus Boston Red Sox game. So we tried to do our best to be able to project for because at that time we had no idea what the starting pitching matchup was going to be in. At that time, we wound up seeing an absolute calamity if you wound up having the under in that game. So we're going to be chatting about both of these series, how we're gauging them, and how we're gauging both of the games for today. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys a signed total on both games that we've got for this Wednesday in Major League Baseball and a little something you like to call. Touch them all first things first. Always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. You've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated, and then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but 
I can tell you right now, we wound up having a very fascinating two games of baseball yesterday. So let's take a look back at them. Try to find some trends and try to get to all these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. It looked like the LA Dodgers were going to go down 3-0 to to the Atlanta Braves. And then Mr. Cody Bellinger said not so fast as he winds up belting a home run in the eighth inning off of Luke Jackson. winds up giving up four runs in a third of an inning. To put this into perspective, Luke Jackson did not have a single month this year in which he gave up more than four earned runs in the entirety of a month with a sub-2 ERA. He gives up that bomb, and then he wound up putting a man on base before it would be Mookie Betts, who winds up hitting a double in the eighth inning that leads the Dodgers to victory. Oh, yeah. And then there was what wound up happening before that as well. Charlie Morton wound up having a cataclysmically bad first inning in which he wound up walking four guys. He would give up a home run to Corey Seager, but was able to get out of the bases loaded. He had yet to give up more than four walks in a single start this year. He gives up six, but manages to go five. Walker Buehler winds up giving up four runs over the course of three and two-thirds innings, though you can make the argument that none of those should have been earned because Austin Riley had a double, but Gavin Lux had the ball go completely off his glove. You can tell that everyone in the world tried to make excuses for him. It was just a badly poor play, to say the least. And then one Luke Jackson wound up giving up his runs. There was a ball that was a tailor-made double play off the bat of A.J. Pollock. That was not at as well, so you had it all in this one. Jesse Chavez winds up giving you two-thirds of an inning out of the bullpen of the Atlanta Braves. A.J. Minter, Tyler Manzik, both give you a scoreless inning, and the Dodgers are going to be trotting out their Julio Arias off of two days rest. Well, they only got three and two-thirds innings out of Walker Buehler, so Alex Vizzi had to give you an out of the bullpen. Corey Knievel gave up a run while going just a third of an inning. You wound up having Phil Bickford and Justin Brule both give you two-thirds of an inning scoreless. Joe Kelly was able to give you an out of the bullpen. You wound up having 34 pitches used by Evan Phillips as he went one and two-thirds inning scoreless. Tony Gonsolin winds up getting the win after throwing two pitches in a third of an inning. And Kenley Jansen wound up getting a save as he struck out the side in the ninth inning as for the Dodgers, they wind up surrounding 10 men on base and the Atlanta Braves. After that big inning in which they wound up getting four runs in the fourth, they stranded a lot of men on base as they wound up having 10 as well. And then this is one of the worst beats that you're going to find in postseason baseball history. The Houston Astros, a team that probably should not have scored a single run in the ninth inning because there was a blown strike three call from Nathan Eovaldi, put up a touchdown with the extra point in the ninth inning to be able to get a 9-2 win in a game that myself and Ben both thought, and you're going to hear it, was a dead flipping under. The Houston Astros in this game wind up getting a home run in the first inning off of the bat of Alex Bregman, his first of this series, and then Xander Bogarts wound up getting a home run off of Zach Greinke, and you really Really didn't have much scoring after that. Granky winds up going one and a third innings. He gives up two runs, and then the bullpen of the Houston Astros comes up with 23 outs without giving up a run. Christian Javier, three scoreless innings. Phil Maiden, Ryan Presley, both give you a scoreless inning. Kendall Grayman gets a win with his two scoreless innings. Brooks Raley, pair of outs out of the bullpen, but my goodness, the call for Nathan Evaldi to come out of the bullpen, boy, was that costly. He winds up giving up four runs in two-thirds of an inning. I will reiterate this as well. Probably should have been out of the inning, but Les Diaz buying the plate wound up having a bad game. Nick Buffett had a good game. He wound up giving up the solo home run to Alex Bregman. Really nothing other than that over the course of five innings. Josh Taylor gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Adam Adovino, he winds up getting it out of the bullpen. Garrett Woodlock does give up two runs in an inning as he did allow one of 
those home runs as being able to go deep. Jose Altuve is second home run of the series, but then you wind up having Martin Perez really put fire on this one. He gives up three runs over to Irma while getting the final out of that ninth inning. And for the Red Sox, 0-9 with runners in scoring position, 11 men stranded on base, but you get the over thanks to what was just an absolute calamity as this is a total that went live as low as about four and a half. So yeah, that was really interesting to say the least. Home teams, by the way, still hitting at right around two-thirds clip for the postseason and both of these games wound up going over and if you've been betting the ALCS, hopefully you've been taking the over because all four games have now went over and for the Houston Astros, this is a bunch that have scored at least five runs in all but one of their games here in the month of October. So that's what we wound up seeing from Major League Baseball on Tuesday. Now let's turn the page forward to Wednesday and helping me do so, Ben Wilson does a terrific job over there with the Vegas Edson Information Network and we're going to be taking a look at both of these series and both of these games for today next right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Craig Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Craig Peterson. It is always great to be joined by this guest as Ben Wilson is doing a terrific job over there at the Vegas Ads and Information Network, a.k.a. VSIN. He does a terrific job when it comes to a little bit of production. And if you are someone that's out here on the West Coast and you're a big college sports fan, you're going to hear him on the call of a lot of different games. He does some college basketball. He sometimes does sports like volleyball, softball, what have you. Ben does a little bit of everything. And then every Saturday, he is the lead in along Jeff Parles to the Greg Peterson experience as you're able to hear the show, the VEASAN Bet Center. That is every Saturday from 6 p.m. Pacific to 10 p.m. Pacific. If you're on the East Coast, that is 9 p.m. until 1 a.m. So he bleeds into two days when it comes to that. And to be able to follow Ben on Twitter, that is at Ben underscore Wilson and then underscore again, the number one and Ben Great to have you aboard. Thank you. Absolutely, Greg. I feel like we finally got the first night that really, really felt like postseason baseball on Tuesday. I mean, there were a lot of good games, but I don't know. This just felt like it had it all, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. The game that we wound up seeing between the Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves was absolutely remarkable. The fact that, for one, they wound up giving Austin Riley a double rather than counting that as an error. I don't know what the official score was thinking. If that's not an error, I don't know what is, but... Certainly an insane game. It looked like the Dodgers were going to go down 3-0. to zero, And as we know, the track record for teams that wind up getting down 3-0 to zero in a best of seven, well, you got the Red Sox back in the early 2000s, and that is it for teams that have been able to pull it off. And now it leads to a very interesting game four because you've got Julio Rios who's going to be going for the Dodgers, but I still have to put a lot of stock into what wound up happening with Max Scherzer on the exact same rest schedule. And I do have my question marks. When it comes to Julio Arias, because I think that he should be a favorite because the Atlanta Braves are going with a bullpen game here, but I do have a little bit of concern that there's going to be lingering effects from him pitching in game two. I agree with you, Greg. It's I am really curious as well to get your take just on how the market has evaluated this series so far because we saw coming out in game three you would have assumed especially with walker bueller on six days rest the phrase must win game obviously it's going to apply in a seven game series when a team is down 2-0 and so coming in i kind of figured as we've tracked this throughout the postseason greg dodgers in basically every home game this year when it's either been scherzer urias or bueller on the mound have been a minimum minus 200 favorites 
in a lot of these spots. We've seen them as high as minus 215, even in some of those NLDS home games against the Giants. So I thought it was really interesting that the Tuesday game we just saw, Greg, was the time where the market said, you know what, the Dodgers, they've been a public team. We've been overvaluing them all year. Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, drop their price drastically in a game they have to win with one of their best pitchers on six days rest. I just thought it was really bizarre that they were down to like minus 170, 175. And that's before you take into account all of the traditional public, late, homeristic money that always seems to come in on the Dodgers that drove that price up towards minus 180 with Walker Bueller. Now, obviously, Bueller did struggle. And as you pointed out, uh, partly because of his own lack of defense in center field. That to me, Greg, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. I actually thought the Dodgers, who have really have not had any value on them whatsoever in any single game all season, and I shouldn't say all season, all postseason, and for the majority of the regular season, as you and I, I know, have discussed ad nauseum, that was actually the one spot I kind of thought there was value, and it's somewhat ironic that they needed this epic uh, collapse by the Atlanta bullpen and the amazing heroics of Cody Bellinger to bring them from the depths there down 5-2 in the eighth. So you turn that into the game that we'll see tonight in game four. Yeah, Julio Urias, I have a lot of the same concerns as you do, Greg. Uh, they're back up to minus 210, 215 in the market, and I think we're right back to a lot of the key themes we've been talking about this whole postseason. I know it's a bullpen game for Atlanta, Greg, but look, the Dodgers just used nine pitchers. That was off the heels of just using seven pitchers on Sunday. They've got a guy who just pitched on Sunday who probably I wouldn't think Greg could go more than three, maybe four innings if you're lucky. So once again, we're back in the same position of thinking, at least I think the Dodgers are incredibly overvalued once again in this spot. Yep, I am right there with you because I I personally put the Braves more around about a plus 170-ish underdog in this spot with them trotting out their bullpen game. You got to think that you're going to get the poo-poo platter of Drew Smiley, Uscotty Anoa, and then whoever the heck did not wind up pitching on Tuesday. But even with that, you've got a Braves bullpen that still, ever since the All-Star break, has been number four in the big leagues in terms of ERA. And you take a look at Julio Rios. What I think is really fascinating about him is that he's actually been better on the road than he has been at home between the regular and postseason. 21 wins this year. That by far leads the major leagues. 14 of those wound up coming away from Los Angeles. So while I certainly do think that the Dodgers should be a favorite here, I don't think that you should just wind up laying the Dodgers at north of $2 just because, oh, they need this game because we saw it in a game that they needed on Tuesday. They very nearly lost that game by three runs. And probably should have. I mean, they were outplayed up until we saw the bottom of the eighth. Yeah, you look at it now, too. I mean, the total eight and a half juice to the under. I'm a little inclined. I would I'd be curious to see if maybe you could get an in-game spot on an over here, Greg, just knowing that it is going to be such heavy bullpen usage out of Atlanta. They had to go pretty deep in the pens how things unraveled. It would not surprise me to see runs. So, yeah, if anything, for this game four, I'd probably be looking maybe an in-game over, especially, too, if like if Urias labors in the first inning, even if he gets out of it unscathed and, and you assume that the pitch count's going to get up quickly, I think there could be some value there once you create under eight and I look I might take a stab at least on the run line with Atlanta because again what I've liked about at least values on the underdog here not only is it a near two to one plus price but as a result on the run line you're basically getting even odds anywhere from basically minus so five to 110 on these plus one and a half run lines which again in these postseason games with pretty good pitching for Atlanta I don't know if you would disagree with this I haven't gotten the sense Atlanta's really phased by the Dodgers lineup whatsoever I mean granted you give up a couple 
of big timely hits in certain spots in the series. But I wouldn't really be concerned about them uh, falling behind big. I expect another really tight game in game four. So that's probably right that I'd be looking at. It's also fascinating too, just looking at the series price. The Dodgers back to a favorite across the board. I'm seeing a ties minus 135 now after being, as you talked about, I mean, six out the way from going down 3-0 and basically being dead for all intents and purposes. And we talk about the greatness of the Dodgers and the Dodgers overall have been really good this year. I mean, you don't win 106 games on accident, but for as great as they've been in one run games, they are approximately 500 this year as well. So I do think that that is something that you want to be taking a look at as well. The Atlanta Braves actually did have a losing record in one run games at 26 and 31 during the regular season, but they seem to be doing a little bit of a better job here in the postseason. And it's just one of those things in which you do have a hot team here with the Atlanta Braves, a team that even despite the loss on Tuesday, 17 and four in their last 21 games, they're going to be having Max Freed and all their guys on full rest with the way that things are going with them utilizing a bullpen game in game four. And I think that that's the best way to go about it. Meanwhile, I do fear that Dave Roberts and his overmanaging might wind up costing the Dodgers a series because we were mentioning it. The concerns about Julio Arias because I just don't know how far he's going to be going because if a guy like Max Scherzer is complaining of arm soreness the way that he winds up getting utilized and he is the ultimate bulldog competitor, that leaves a lot of questions in my opinion. I'm right there with you. I think what's interesting as well, you lay all this stuff out. You and I, Greg, we're both numbers guys. And I think at the end of the day, though, the one thing that we haven't really talked about is... I think everybody probably thinking of too is just something that is hard to quantify. And that is, I mean, we're seeing this with Boston on the AL side, and that is just the hot team theory who all of a sudden somehow finds a way, they get a lucky break, boom, it just sets them off on this crazy stretch. I think a lot of people are going to think, look, Dodgers, with the pedigree they've shown, with how deep they are, we know they're taxing the bullpen and the arms are super tired there. But I mean, you win a game like that, the way they did it, again, this is hard to quantify numbers wise, but I mean, you think of how momentum works in these postseason series. We saw what happened last year. Braves up 2-0, lose game three. Of course, they, you know, they come back, win a game four before dropping the final three. With it being a neutral site game, you don't have the home field blitz to go off of from that. But you just can't help but think, like, man, that was the Braves shot. And now that they've blown it, like, mentally, where is this team going to be at? So that's the only reason why I'd probably I'd stay away just from taking the overall outright shot of the money line. I think we're going to learn a lot about the metal and mental fortitude of this fortitude of this Brave team in Game Four tonight. But man, is that such a gut punch? It, it kind of reminded me, like you and I both being Wisconsin guys, Greg, back to really Game Four of the seventeen NLCS when the Brewers are up two one, had umpteen chances to put the Dodgers away, ultimately lost that game in thirteen innings, and it just changed the whole series. And they, of course, go on to lose in seven. So. That's the one thing. I'm curious how you try to quantify that as being a numbers guy like you are. Like, you think about a game like that. We've seen this story play out in the past. Team has one team on the ropes. They can't put them away. Next thing you know, the series totally flips. I'm really curious if that's how we see this play out, at least in game four to start. I think that it's going to be really curious to see what we get in game four. But I think the big thing for the Braves is even if they would wind up losing three straight in Los Angeles. They still have a chance at home. They'll still be able to get Charlie Morton at least one more start in this series. You get Max Freed in game five. So even if they do wind up losing in game four, and no question, they should be the underdog in game four because you've got the league leader in wins going up against a bullpen game. But I do think that that's something that you want to take a look at as well as we do have Ben Wilson of Vison joining me on the podcast 
And Ben, when you take a look at the other series, we can't say for sure exactly what we're going to be getting because as we're doing this at midnight Eastern time, it is two to two, and Nathan Ivaldi has just come out of the bullpen, and we have no idea who's going to be starting on Wednesday, which I think is really intriguing. And when you take a look at Astros versus Red Sox, I think that it was a bit shocking that we wound up getting a little bit of a lower scoring game in game four. But I think that moving forward, I think that we can expect to see a little bit more of what we wound up getting in the first three games with a lot of runs. If I were to venture a guess, I would say that it's probably going to be Chris Sale against Framber Valdez. But then again, this might upload. It might be in the 15th inning and both of those guys wind up coming out of the bullpen themselves. So <laughs> yeah. you've got a lot of I guess you could call it catastrophic things that could wind up happening there, but I do think that it's going to be a very interesting Game 5 on Wednesday. Yeah, it's funny how the market has evaluated this series from the total perspective, like you mentioned, because we had Game 1 set at 8.5, and that goes over. Game 2, you see it go up to 9.5. 10 was the flat number given, which is kind of crazy to look at from these overall postseason totals. I say this as I watch a base hit set to right by Castro, and so it's now 3-2 Astros top of the ninth. Very interesting to see what we do. I actually do think, and regardless of this is you know, this series, whether these games are in Fenway or Houston, I think it might actually be a nice uh, by-low spot to go back to the overs, depending on the pitching matchup, obviously. But even if it is Valdez and Sale, who are kind of perceived to be top guys, it's not like Sale has been going deep at all since coming back from his injury and getting worked back into a rhythm, Greg. So it wouldn't stun me if because of just the name value that we see coming out, especially if it is 2-2, I think there might be that sense of, all right, well, 2-2 could be a really tight, low-scoring game. I think we might see the books drop that total a little bit. If it drops, you know, back down to like eight and a half, I'd definitely be interested in an over there for sure. If we do wind up getting from Valdez against Chris Sale, I'm going to be in total agreement with you there. I'm going to be setting that total myself right around 10 just because you take a look at Chris Sale, there is no trusting in him whatsoever. From Valdez is someone that has a north of four walks per nine rate, has been relatively solid since that start that he wound up having against the Boston Red Sox a few days ago. But certainly, if you do wind up getting Chris Sale, I just think that he's a guy that you have to evaluate sort of as someone that's probably not going to be able to give you more than four innings just because he is someone that's coming off of Tommy John surgery. He's clearly not 100%. I think that his numbers were very much amplified by the fact that he wound up having his first few starts against teams like the Baltimore Orioles and company. And when we've seen the Mm -hmm. step up in competition for him, it just hasn't been there for him. Not necessarily his fault, but it typically takes a guy a full year after he actually winds up returning altogether from Tommy John surgery really to be able to find their old form. Yeah, and maybe I'm being overly optimistic with getting an eight and a half total, because like you said, I mean, with Bradbury Valdez getting rocked the way he did in that last start against Boston, maybe it doesn't drop all that way down. But at the same time, as we know with the market and the way this stuff works, like we were just talking about with Braves Dodgers, there tends to be overreactions from game to game in these seven-game series where all of a sudden you see the Dodgers from minus two, 210, all these home playoff games to boom, down to minus 170. Wouldn't stun me if you see a dip back down in the total here after we had the first three games of the series go over and barring something crazy, we're likely going to see this uh, this fourth game go under. So, yeah, I'll be very interested to see how I mean, Dusty Baker is. We, we were talking about I feel like this is now a theme with every manager. I mean, Alex Cora going to maybe Ovaldi out of the pen in the ninth as he just gives up the go-ahead run in the tie game. But Dusty Baker's kind of been in the same spot. I mean, the guys he's had to use and Zach Greinke not going deep. I'm not really sure what you do if you're him because it's not like you can really have much confidence in Valdez going past like the fourth or fifth inning just based on the track record that you touched on. So that's another one where like, I just don't know what the solution is going to be for Houston in, in the back end of that pen. Even if they you know, win this game and they're 2-2 and they'll guarantee that at least the, the one spot to going back home. I don't know. I, 
it just feels like Boston is going to be the right side in the series, even though we came in thinking, at least I did, Greg, they were the worst postseason team of the field and would be a good bet against. But that's clearly turned around. And I think that now that we've seen the ninth inning of the Red Sox versus Astros, we need to take into account that your bet might get torpedoed by the umpiring because it has been pretty bad across the board here in the postseason. I think that that's a very good sidebar to throw out there as well. Something that is the exact opposite of the umpiring that we're seeing in the postseason. That'd be you and Jeff when you guys wind up doing beasts and bets that are Ben. You guys are doing a terrific job there. I know you've been doing a lot of play-by-play work recently as well. Just doing a lot of work out here on the West Coast in general. Whether that be softball, whether that be volleyball, whether that be basketball. list goes on and on. You call a little bit of everything and do a great job with it. And then you do a terrific job when it comes to all your handicapping and hosting over there at Beeson. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just everything that you've got going on in general. Yeah, I always appreciate it, Greg. I'm at Ben underscore Wilson underscore one. I refuse to change my Twitter handle since I made it as like a freshman in high school. So you'll be getting that. The only other thing I'll add, it's been very fun co-hosting a daily podcast with Pete Rose, of all people, talking sports betting. So yes, Pete Rose, the most infamous gambler of all time. <laughs> now doing a sports betting podcast because, I mean, at this point, Greg, if you aren't doing podcasts, I mean, are you even alive at this point? So, but it's been a blast so far doing that through Quake Media. You go to quakemedia.com slash Pete is where our site is uh, hosted. So it's been a blast doing it with it. We launched it starting with the first day of the MLB postseason. So we basically do six shows a week and it's been uh, a ton of fun. Pete giving out his picks every day. It is the Pete Rose's Daily Picks podcast and it is been a doozy been a lot of fun so far to say the least so thanks again greg i really appreciate it as always and i think that you and me after this podcast is on to get a couple beverages because i want to hear some of these pete rose stories all of a sudden because <laughs> let me tell you there is probably no shortage of stories that ben currently has right now oh, no, with no everything that's whatsoever. going down oh that is absolutely terrific and much is there ben is doing an absolutely terrific job guy does a little bit of everything he's joined me quite a bit on this podcast brings it every single time and did so once again today so a big thanks to ben wilson for joining me right here on the baseball betting podcast and coming up next it is that time of the podcast to give you a sign total for both games of the MLB postseason for this Wednesday and a little something like call, touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always a pleasure to be joined by Ben Wilson of Beeson. He does an absolutely terrific job. Now hosting a podcast with Pete Rose, too. That is absolutely tremendous. I did not know that that was going on until now, so I've got some nice listening to do while I wind up doing college basketball previews at like 3 a.m. rather than watching really bad Hulu films while I wind up doing my college basketball previews. So that is a relief to me, and it is relieving to know that now we've got a few lines on both of these games that are going to be going down for Wednesday. So going to give you guys picks and analysis for both games and a little something like call... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarenScore41. Really, the only way we'll wind up seeing changes is if the Atlanta Braves go with something other than a bullpen game, which right now they have yet to name a starter for their bullpen game, but it looks like they're going to be going with a bullpen game, or if the Astros or the Red Sox wind up going with something different. And we're going to be starting with that American League game of 915-916 on the betting board. The Boston Red Sox are going to be playing a 
the Houston Astros. Framber Valdez is going to be going for the Astros. Chris Sale is going to be on the bump for the Red Sox. Red Sox anywhere between minus 120 and minus 122 favorites. Plus 110 to plus 112 is what you're going to be finding. The Astros, 9.5 is your total. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The unders anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And I wound up saying this total a little bit north of 10. I'm looking at the over. Even at a 10, I'd be taking a look at this total over. And I pretty much flipped it. I wound up going with the Astros as a minus 118 favorite. They've got a little bit of momentum on their side, which I know that Ben was talking about a little bit earlier. And you just take a look at Chris Sale. And I have a tough time really buying into him. You just take a look at his last few starts. And they have not been good, to say the least. He has given up at least three runs in two out of his last four, but the two starts in which he wound up giving up fewer than three runs, he went a combined five innings, giving up three runs in those two starts. That was the last start of the season against the Nationals, and then he winds up having that postseason start against the Astros. He goes two and two-thirds innings, giving up one run in the process. He just doesn't look like his normal self right now. I think that that is very apparent, and he's had his struggles when it comes to just giving up the deep ball in general overall between the regular season and the postseason. His home runs per nine rate has been offering right in the neighborhood of about a one and a half. So that is something that I do take a look at. Meanwhile, you take a look at Framber Valdez and he has been having his walks issues all year long. This is a man that regular season and postseason combined has been given out right around 4.4 walks per nine innings and he's been struggling a little bit recently. He's given up at least three runs in each out of his last three starts. Now, one of those runs that he gave up to the Red Sox in game one was unearned but certainly has been having some issues there. Now, you take a look at Valdez and what does give me a little bit of relief is that during the regular season, he was actually better on the road than he was at home. 288 road ERA, 345 home ERA. Give it up 5 home runs in 72 innings on the road. 7 bombs give it up in 62 and 2 thirds innings when he was at home. So that is something that you're able to work with and you just take a look at both of these bullpens in general. You wound up having much more taxation when it came to the Houston Astros but the good news is they were able to get 3 innings of relief out of Christian Javier. You gotta think that Kendall Graveman is gonna be out of the fold. Ryan Presley using 22 pitches. That's not necessarily ideal. So you're gonna need a little bit of length here. Out of Valdez, you gotta think that if you need to go to long relief. It was probably going to be Jake Odorizzi. Why is it getting the ball? Blake Taylor, Ryan Sanek figure to be options for this team as well. And then you take a look at the Boston Red Sox and you did wind up having to use up multiple innings from Garrett Woodlock, so that probably knocks him out. So you're probably looking at Itacazusato Mora, probably Edamata Vino. I wouldn't be surprised if Tanner Hoke winds up coming in in long relief as well, but I don't have a lot of faith in either of these arms. You take a look at both of these teams, the Red Sox and the Astros. Both of these teams have scored at least four runs in all but two games thus far this month for the Boston Red Sox. Just one game for the Houston Astros. I mean, both of these offenses are electric. Jose Altuve was able to have a home run in the game yesterday. He's been struggling a little bit this series, but that should be able to get him online. You've got Jordan Alvarez, Carlos Correa. Both of these guys have been delivering here in the postseason, and you were able to get Bregman a home run yesterday as well. Michael Brantley during the regular season long, Yuli Gurriel. Both of these guys hit above a 310. Even Chaz McCormick has been able to step up for the team as well. And then you take a look at the Boston Red Sox and Kike Hernandez, despite going one of five yesterday, hitting a 500 for the series with three home runs. He has been hotter than lava. Rafael Devers has been very good along Xander Bogarts, and Bogarts wound up having a nice home run yesterday, so you got to give him a little bit of credit. Even guys towards the bottom of the lineup, like a Christian Arroyo, has been able to find a way on base as well. Kyle Schwarber has been struggling a little bit, but he's got a couple home runs here in the postseason as well. He's got two in his last six games, so I think that both of these offenses are going to be able to come to the forefront. I have a little bit more faith here in Valdez. I just feel like Chris Sale, his early successes coming off of Tommy John surgery 
surgery were as a result of pitching against seems like the Baltimore Orioles and company. And I do like the way that Valdez has been able to pitch on the road. So we're going to be going with the Houston Astros in this spot along with the over. And then we go 9-17, 9-18 the bang board. This is going to be the New York Post where the day is. You've got the Atlanta Braves on the road going up against the LA Dodgers. Julio Arias is going to be going for the Dodgers. Meanwhile, for the Braves, it is a good old bullpen game. And you're finding the Dodgers as very sizable favorites. Getting them anywhere between a minus 210 and a minus 220. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Braves, anywhere between plus 190 and plus 185 is your price. Seeing anywhere between 8 and 8.5 on the total on the 8. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Unders between minus 110 and minus 105 on the 8.5. Unders minus 120 and the overs even. I set this total at 9.2 and the New York Post play of the day is the over. You take a look at Julio Arias and for one, he's coming off of two days rest and is trying to start this game. Now, obviously, it was a sin in which he wanted coming out of the bullpen, not an actual start, but still, I think that's really going to affect his rhythm. We heard it from Max Scherzer. He wound up getting dead arm after he wound up having to pretty much try to pull the same thing that Julio Urias is trying to as well. Now, Urias is 12 years younger than Max Scherzer, but still, not a spot that you want him to be in. And just in general, Julio Urias has not been effective as home at home as he has been on the road. 327 home ERA, 271 road ERA. Among his 21 wins between the regular season and the postseason, 14 of them have come away from Los Angeles. His home runs per nine rate, is a little bit higher at home as well. And you take a look at the Dodgers and they wound up having to use up so many bullpen pieces yesterday as well. So that is something that is going to be playing into it. Now, you've got someone like an Alex Vecchio who wound up using up fewer than three pitches. Tony Gonsolin only wound up having to use up two as well. So a lot of these guys could wind up coming back in this game. But the bullpen for the Dodgers has looked very shaky to say the least. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Braves, no doubt you wound up having a big giant brain fart from Luke Jackson. But ever since the All-Star break, this has been the number four team in the big leagues with regard to bullpen ERA, but quite a few guys wound up getting used up yesterday. Jesse Chavez certainly did. I mentioned Mr. Jackson a little bit earlier, Tyler Madzik, so you gotta figure that it's either gonna be Uskari Yanoa or Drew Smiley starting, and both of these guys are probably gonna be pitching multiple innings with Uskari Yanoa. He's got bad omen road splits. 288 ERA at home. 549 ERA on the road. He has given up 8 bombs of 41 innings overall this year on the road, and then you take a look at Drew Smiley, a man that has not pitched so far this postseason, so he is gonna be coming out a little bit cold now. What I will say for Drew Smiley is that when he was coming out of the bullpen the last month or so of the season, he actually did a pretty solid job. He wound up going a grand total of 11 innings in his final six appearances, no more than three and a third, and any of them giving up two runs. So he was able to do a nice job there, but you take a look at him overall on the road this year. 459 ERA, giving up 17 home runs at 80 and a third innings at 294 batting average. So that is a little bit concerning, and we mentioned it with Julio Rios. You just don't know what you're going to be able to get there now with the Dodgers. This is a team that they've been inning sub 200 with men in scoring position throughout the series. They were able to find a little bit of something yesterday with that Cody Bellinger home run and you have been able to get quite a bit of something at the top of the lineup for Mookie Betts. We all remember what he wound up doing in game 5 against the Giants. He wound up having Forrest. He's got an on-base percentage of a 500 in this series and Will Smith has really been able to get jiggy with it. I absolutely love the way that he's been performing. Three home runs already in this postseason. He has been able to do just a great job of getting on base in general in this series with a 500 on-base percentage. Cody Bellinger he's starting to look like the MVP that we all know and love in Chris Taylor. He winds up having that home run in the wild card series against the St. Louis Cardinals to be able to get the team into this spot. He's been hitting a 556 in this series. And then it's been Jock Tober. Jock Peterson wound up having another RBI yesterday. He's got north of a 400 on base in this series along with Austin Riley. Riley didn't deserve credit for a double yesterday, but he wound up getting it, so good on him. Eddie Rosario's been able to do a good job of being able to reach base. Freddie Freeman has been very solid as well. He wound up having three hits yesterday. You'll love what you're seeing there. Even Dansby Swanson at the eighth spot 
on. He has been very effective. Now, the pinch hitters for the Atlanta Braves have been a little bit suspect with guys like you Camargo along to here, Andre Anza, not necessarily being able to do the job, but I do think that runs are going to be a plenty in this spot. You've got two of the top offenses in the National League going at it, two of the top five teams when it comes to home runs per game perspective as well, and I think that we're going to see a couple balls flying out, so the New York Post for the day is going to be the over. I was willing to take the Braves as long as I was getting anything north of plus 175 because I do have my questions with you, Arias, so going to be taking the Braves, and the New York Post play of the day is the over, and that'll wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Wednesday. A big thanks to Ben Wilson of Eason for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send those into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. 